Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium podcast. Skillers, skillers, I've got a great episode for you today. It's episode 49, and today you are going to learn all about career opportunities for electricians and how you can use the internet and social media to build your network, create career opportunities. And the biggest value in this episode is you're going to get advice from a business owner with over 30 years of experience, and he's an educator. So he has a really great perspective on this profession from the perspective of business and education. So that's really, really valuable. Today's guest is an electrical instructor in the building trades makerspace at Bergen County Tech. He grew up in Rutherford, New Jersey. He went to St. Mary's High School and then St. Peter's College. When he was in high school working at a gas station, a customer recruited him to work at the local electrical contractor in New Jersey. So began his career as an electrician. Timothy Regan started his company in 1990. He, during his free time, he enjoys, he enjoyed being active and involved in his children's activities and sports. He enjoys running, paddleboarding, snowboarding, riding his Harley Davidson, and vacationing with his family. Please welcome Timothy Regan to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Tim, how are you today? Hey, I'm uh, great, Keith, and, uh, you know, thanks for touching base. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm doing wonderful. Actually, thank, thank you. And, I, uh, Timothy, I want to thank you, Tim, for being on the podcast and agreeing to this. Tim, first of all, I have to ask you about the Harley-Davidson bike. What type of bike do you have, and how far do you travel with that? So, you know, I've, had, I've, I've been riding a Harley-Davidson since early on, like, you know, actually – toward the end of high school, I'd say. And uh, I've had multiple bikes along the way. But right now I'm, I'm riding a, uh, it's called a 1200 Super Low. And, uh, you know, I have a busy life. So unfortunately, I don't take long trips or, or trips across the country or anything like that. But uh, I'll take it to work. I live about, uh, you know, 10 miles from school. So it's not a big deal. I'll take uh, Sunday morning rides, Saturday morning rides up to the country, uh, you know, a couple hours here or there. Nothing major, just uh, we need something in town where I can fit whatever I'm picking up on the side saddles. Instead of jumping in the van, I'm going to jump on the Harley Davidson. Yeah, I bet that's a lot more fun than the van. <laughs> yeah, not that about it. Definitely, definitely. Now, I imagine in the winter, I know you're up in Jersey, so I know in the winter that might be... Well, you know, probably not riding it in the winter, but yeah, it's a drag. In summer, definitely. <laughs> so, the weather's uh, here. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you something. Growing up, what kind of kid were you, and how did that shape you or influence your career path? You know, I think uh, you know. I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad, you know, he ran the gas station. We were little. I had a day off from school. I was in the gas station. Anytime I was off, I was in the gas station. I just loved it. You know, I loved going to work. I loved meeting the people and, and 
you know, helping folks out and, and, you know, I, I took apart bicycles and, and I, I used his tools and probably lost a few socket wrenches along the way. But uh, it was just something about always building, working, working with my hands. I just kind of enjoyed it. And uh, for some strange reason, uh, you know, it just kept going from there. Never yeah. stopped. And I would imagine that, you know, having that skill set, the ability to fix things saves you a lot of money, you know, because you can fix your own, you know, whether it's uh, your motorcycle, whether it's a, a bike growing up, whether it's something in your home. But more importantly, you can always find work. Somebody is always going to pay you if you have that skill set. Well, let me tell you, I, I continue my business, if you could imagine, probably for that reason. You know, I, I grew up in this town. I've been here my whole life and I know a lot of folks. And People continually call. They need help. I called three guys. I called four guys. I can't get anybody to, to come. Can you please help me? The work in the skilled trades, no matter what it is, if you cut hair, if you groom dogs, if you are a plumber or a carpenter, or if you can just do anything, people need you. Definitely. They need Definitely. you. Definitely. I mean, I think... You know, people really need to strongly consider these skilled trades just because right now we have a shortage. We're seeing, you know, you're seeing a lot of people who are retiring. Uh, you know, I've seen, I don't know if you're seeing this, but, you know, they, they're saying the average age of a skilled trade professional is like 45, 50. You know, there's only, you know, that, that means in a couple of years as these folks get older, as they start to retire, you know, there's going to be a gap. Yeah, there's a gap. You know, I think there was a paradigm shift way back. I don't know where or how it happened. Like, you know, I think when I was in high school, you know, the, us us uh, hands-on learners, workers, we were kind of uh, kind of like the odd man out. And, you know, folks were geared to go to college. And I think that went on for a long time. And believe it or not, it's still going on now. Yes. And uh, I could see it with my students and, and, and the students that come in from eighth grade. And uh, we have some students that, that come here to be in the skilled trades. And then we have students who, who you know, they've never, never touched a tool in their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, somewhere along the line, we're trying to take that original paradigm shift and now bring it toward the back to the skilled trades where, where it belongs. Definitely. Definitely. So tell me. Why should people think about becoming an electrician, especially our young well, people? Well, obviously because that's my field. It's it's the best trade out there. <laughs> that's All, right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. Listen, it's just think about think about when you woke up this morning. You turned on a light. You probably uh, had your cell phone plugged in. You went to the kitchen, and there was your refrigerator. Guess what? Everything was called. You finished your, your dishes and put them in the dishwasher and you went to the oven and the toaster oven. And then you got in your car. It's electric as well. You went to the uh, stoplight and guess what? It turned red, green, orange. Yeah. And, you know, your air conditioner in your house, and your heat where it works. And it's something that's just, it's always there. It exists. And, you know, we're, we desperately need to have it working. And nowadays, Nobody wants to live without electricity. I agree, hundred percent. It doesn't get any cooler than being an electrician. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you 100 percent 100 especially these young people who are on the internet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have Wi-Fi or the internet without electricity. <laughs> and what happens when right? What happens when their phone is dead? Forget about it, right? It's, crazy. it's a disaster. <laughs> I, I mean, I have young kids. I think your kids are a little older from from when I read yeah. about about your about you. So I, I think that you know you may or may not have gone through that when your kids were younger, but the cell phone was definitely something they're very sensitive about. <laughs> So, oh, yes. yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you were starting, can you tell me who had a big influence on you in terms of helping you choose your profession? Who had an influence on you and what did you learn from them? Yeah. So, you know, I think it was different back then, you know, and we'll talk about this I, hopefully in a little while. But, you know, I was lucky enough to have numerous trade folks come to our station, gas up their vehicles. Carpenters, plumbers, electricians, truck drivers, you know, steel workers. And uh, quite honestly, I had quite a few of them that wanted me to come with them after after I got out of high school. But, you know, the electrician, uh, he was a, he became a friend of ours and a friend of the families. And he was pretty uh, adamant about me coming in to work with him. So so he was a great guy. He had a nice business and it turned into be, it was a little bit of a family, you know, we were there and uh, we became a family. We spent, you know, more, more hours there than I did, did at home and anywhere else. And, and uh, he was tough. He was a very good electrician. And when I had a complicated situation, because I was pretty diligent myself, I wouldn't leave till I figured it out. And he wouldn't come out and help me, but he would give me a drawing. He would, I would go back to the shop and he'd explain it and we'd figure it out together. And, uh, you know, he made me way better than I, than I could have been. And uh, it was a really great experience, actually. Now, did they, have, did they have a formal apprenticeship program then or was it just him teaching you the ropes? Not really. I mean, you know, we had, uh, so he was, uh, he ran the office. His days in the field were somewhat up. So once in a while, I worked out in the field with him, but. You know, we I, I worked for a foreman at first, and then, you know, then I became the, the foreman. And uh, yeah, there was no apprentice program at the time. It was just, uh, I did say we did, I did go to school. He was always willing to pay for, for schooling for the right folks that came to the business, you know. That makes and sense. he believed in it. He believed in, you know, learning what we learned in the field and then learning it, you know, from the books as well. And uh, I think that uh, it doesn't exist that much anymore because I believe everybody's too busy and they don't have time to take on a, a, a young kid like me that knew nothing about it and train him along the way. And, you know, I have to appreciate that. And, and I'd love to see more folks do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. I think good companies understand that that's important and, you know, if they, if you don't, if you're not trading your people, it's going to come back to bite you. I also think that you have to have, because you're in people's home, this is something I've heard. You've got to have good customer service skills, like good interpersonal skills. You're dealing with people, you know, and I would imagine working at a gas station because I actually have worked at a gas station years ago when I was younger. You had to deal with, you had to deal with people, you know, and I've worked retail and you got to deal with people who are, happy and people are mad at you. So I, I just think that those skill sets are, are so important 
because uh, that carries over. Because if you're an electrician, you, you're still going to deal with people. You're going in somebody's home. You're going to have to deal with the, deal with people. So I imagine that skill set is important. Yeah, something I like to get over to my students is 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 that you know, listen, anybody can learn how to put two wires together, hook up a light, or or you know uh, any type of uh, run conduit or whatever it is that you have to do physically. I think mm-hmm. you can learn that. But, uh, you know, in order to, to get in the business and to keep it around for, you know, 30 years or, or, you know, work with the folks out there, that that's actually more important than learning how to bend a piece of conduit because that's what keeps you working. And the desire to show up early in the morning and, and stay the day and keep your cell phone out of your hand and, and yes. you know, walk <laughs> away somewhere, diligently do your work and, and, you know, ask questions about work and, not about, you know, I have to get my hair cut today at 2 o'clock and I leave early. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff is, is not what the folks in the business want to hear, you know, because they didn't grow up that way. No, they, they didn't. Like me, just going to work and working hard. And, and that's yeah. that balance where we have to teach the kids nowadays, I think. It's important. No, I agree. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I grew up in that same era where if you if you didn't, put in the work or you were asking, you know, you lost your job, <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't play around. <laughs> so I, you know, we had people who came before us who were older, who, who let us know that right off the bat, you know? And uh, so, you know, I came up probably in the early nineties as a youngster. So it was, they didn't play it. And we didn't have cell phones. So we weren't sitting around on phones and we didn't have social media. So you just you went to work and that was it. And you were focused on that or you were, or you were going to be focused on finding a new job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tell me. I kind of wonder if that's what they're scared of. You know, these, these folks are scared to hire, you know, cause that's the kind of stuff we hear all the time. Oh, these kids, these kids, these kids, these kids. But you know what? I work with those kids every day. And you know, once you understand them, you know they'll they'll work. I believe so. Treat them properly and and understand them. They're, they're going to do what you want them to do. I also think it's a question of just communicating what the expectation is. I think in the younger generation, they want you to over communicate. You know, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I need you to do. And uh, I also think I've heard people say the younger generation does like a lot of praise. So like if they're doing something right praise them, let them know they're doing a good job. So I think they're just things that as an older generation, we have to adapt to that. Maybe, you know, we didn't need that as much back then, but guess what? It's, I think in life, if you can't adapt to change, you're, you're in trouble, whoever you are. That's just, <laughs> that's no. like, if that's what it takes to get through to them, then I don't think that's a big deal, you know? Not so, a big deal at all, right? Yeah. So talk to me about the process, you know, because I'm sure if there are young people listening, right now and they're interested in becoming an electrician because a lot of people want something now and i know that going through this profession is not like going to college for four years can you tell me about the timeline what it takes to become an electrician like maybe going through your program yeah so you know we're only a high school program so we don't get any options from the state to help the students with their say apprentice hours until until they're you know 18 and out although if they go to work for a licensed electrician during, say, their senior year, those hours can be counted toward their apprentice hours. Yeah, that that that's the one thing that that you know puts them steps ahead of anyone who's not in a trade school. The certificates that they gain, you know, they'll they'll earn a an OSHA ten 
certification in our shop, which they'll probably have to get at some point anyway. But the typical process is, you know, there's an apprentice and pre-apprentice programs where you'll you'll leave high school, you'll go to work for somebody, and then you can continue your apprentice hours, which would have to add up add up to five years before you can go for your license. Or you can go through a program. You know, we do deal with the local unions and they'll come in and meet up with our students and they'll give them the option to sign up and get interviewed and go through the process. And through their processes, they'll, uh, you know, their apprentice program is set in stone. They'll get college credit as well, and they'll be getting paid to go through that apprentice program as well. So when you think about it, you can't go wrong. I mean, you're getting college credits. You're going to, you're working. Sometimes you're working all day and going to school at night. Sometimes you're working three days a week and you're going to school two days a week. Depends on the situation and I guess the union that you're in. But in any case, it's about a five-year program before you really start becoming a a master electrician. And you know what else too that I think, Tim, that's really beneficial is that's not a lot of time, five years. You're 23, you're out of, you're in a career that's paying you a good living wage and you have no debt. And you've been earning. (laughs) So, you know, I I really think people really need to truly understand the benefit of this profession. Uh, You know, five years is not, it's not a ton of time. I mean, that, and you're getting paid. So the big emphasis is you're working and getting paid at the same time. So you, you can't beat that. Let me ask you something. Do you have, you know, like as you're teaching these kids and you're working with them, are you building relationships with, and, and you're a business owner, so obviously you have, relationships with other businesses, but how are you helping prepare them? Are you are you building relationships with local companies that could hire them? Are you getting some feedback as to what these companies want? You're also in a good position to give them feedback. How how are we helping them to make that transition? Yeah, so we do, you know, we do as much as we possibly can. I want them to meet starting junior year, I want them to meet as many folks as they possibly can. So we will we'll go to career shows. We'll bring folks in. We have them meet on a regular basis. We've always got somebody coming to the shop or nowadays, obviously, Zoom. We hear about the job opportunities, whether they're small companies or whether they're the union. They all come in. They all talk to the students. They get to meet them firsthand. We do volunteer work. You know, we do Habitat for Humanity builds. We'll go out there and build on their sites. We build stuff in the shop for folks and we deliver them. We'll build stages for other schools or there's all sorts of stuff. We're connected as much as we possibly can be connected. We're connected. And, uh, you know, the social media thing is just blown up, you know, and it's reached out to folks where I used to be connected in a small group. You know, now I'm connected to Georgia. Yes, that's true. Arizona, you know, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, there are also other trade schools where we uh, meet with, you know, and they'll, we can see what they're teaching and what we're teaching. And, and then skills competitions, the students will go on competitions as well. Skills USA? Skills USA, yeah. Pretty big in our school. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's quite a bit going on. I think they get a pretty good view as well as me posting on a regular basis job possibilities, because, you know, I do know folks out there. So I'll get a, an email from somebody in PSE&G. Hey, Tim, you know, they're opening up like 10 positions. You know, 
let the kids know to go on this on this particular spot on the website and get their paperwork in. So, you know, I, I put that out there, you know, on a regular basis. So the, and then I'll talk to the students because they'd let it slip by if I just posted it. So we got to have a conversation. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, how, how do we bring more attention to technical schools like yours? Because I've noticed that there's not as many schools doing what you're doing. You guys are, you guys are more of an exception. I, I, I've, I've done my research. I, I just don't see a lot of schools doing what you're doing. And how do we change that? Because you and I know that this is a viable option. I'm sure there are a lot of people who, how do we change that? Is it just the parents? Is it the government? The administration? Listen, it, it's crazy, right? It's like, we are like, it's like, I do think that social media is, is finally getting out there. I mean, you see it, right? I mean, it's, yes, it's blowing up a little bit. It really is. But yeah, like, if you're not coming from a blue collar family, and I'm in Bergen County, New Jersey, I don't know if you know where that is, but it's not a blue collar neighborhood, okay? These kids are, are, are geared to go to college. And, and somewhere along the line, that has to change. And it, it, it needs to start in the grade schools. You know, listen, if you're doing math in the grade school and you're talking linear footage on a piece of paper, this student can figure out that four squares of a certain, you know, two, four, six, eight, right? Four yes. two-foot pieces of, of square will add up to eight linear feet. Mm -hmm. But if you stuck four pieces of two-by-four on the floor and they had to figure out how to get eight feet out of it and they're all two-foot pieces, they'd be like a little bit, wow. Sure. Why can't they just put those four pieces of two-by-four in the math class in grade school? I agree. It boggles my mind how we're not doing that kind of stuff. We'll call it we're, math. <laughs> Singer, the, the, the folks in Singapore, you know, their life is, is schooling. It's a completely different culture. And they're yeah, yeah. very smart with their math. So our education world thinks, oh, we have to teach Singapore math over here. No, that's not what we have to do. We have to teach our students the way that they learn. And some folks learn getting eight-foot with four two-foot pieces of wood, that's how they're going to get eight foot. So somewhere along the line, I think we need to change the culture of the academic classes. I agree. And blend, you know, listen, it's not any different. They're still adding. They're still figuring out, you know, geometry and, and physics and science. It all fits into the trades. I think the only way we're ever going to really break the barrier is getting the trades into the trade school academic somehow, some way. That's my goal. No, no, it makes sense. I think what it is is some people are very hands-on learners, and I, I don't learn well in a classroom. You know, I did. I went. I did the whole college thing, but I learn very well. And a lot of people learn now by I jump on YouTube. You know, I watch videos. I've got to watch something. If I see it, or somebody, you know, says, "Hey, this is what you do." They walk you through it. I can figure that those things out. And I did the college route, so. <laughs> I could only imagine for a younger person who might not want to sit down in a classroom and who just needs to get up and move that we've got to make those changes in the education. So also, it's our infrastructure. We got old bridges. We've got you think of everything that is it's not just electrical, but you think of all the infrastructure that keeps this country going. You need these skilled trades people. And. I mean, you can Google skill trades gap and you know there's a gap. Like everybody knows this. This is not 
something that is not known. Even people who are not in the skilled trades know it. And you know what it's right. going to really affect people is when you start calling for a plumber or electrician and you can't get there. Right, right. That's when people will start to go, oh, maybe we do need, you know. I'm like, yeah, yes. you know, like, I mean, next to electrical, plumbing is pretty damn important. That's yes, it is. Your plumbing and then they have the nerve to say we're expensive, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at look at what happened in Texas when they had the uh, the winter weather just a couple months ago. They were bringing pl- plumbers from Jersey, Chicago, New York because they didn't have enough plumbers. You know, eh, don't get me started on that. Now, <laughs> let me ask you something. You you know, so you've been an instructor for fifteen years. How have you seen the changes over those years? Like, what have you seen in terms of what trends are you seeing? You, you've seen a lot, you know, with your experience. What has changed? What are you seeing that's different now from, from in the past? Yeah, like in the 15 years, I mean, listen, the education system, I don't want to beat it up. I'm in it. But I just think that, it, you know, they watch trends, I guess, you know, and, and they try and keep up with trends. But the students themselves, I don't think I've seen a whole lot of change. You know, I get the same balance of students pretty much year in and year out. You know, the blue collar kids come to go to work and then some folks trying to find their way. And then some folks already know they're going to college. But I think maybe they just want to get out of a regular class and learn a little something different. You know, I don't think that's changed in 15 years. The education system, I think it's, uh, you know, they're very worried about, uh, I think, all the wrong things. You know, just just let the teachers teach. Listen, they became teachers. They know what they're doing. Leave them the heck alone. You know, all these standards and, and like I said, Singapore math and standard this and standard that. They think that the education system needs to be just totally revamped somehow, some way. And somewhere along the line, the funding you know, maybe it's not all going in the right places. They, you know, put some skilled trades in. Listen, it's not going to hurt the trade schools if they put some some sort of skilled trades in, in each school, every single school. You know, give, give them give them a little something. There's a slight little elective. One just that something might spark something in somebody's brain if they had a little bit of an elective in a class. But yeah, I, I got to be honest. I, I don't think there's been a ton of change. You know, other than social media, cell phones coming to the classrooms, other things to worry about other than, than, you know, just going to class. Obviously, pandemic now, you know, but the structure of school, not a whole lot different. I think discipline has and, and culture has changed a bit. You know, folks have got to understand the students. You know, back in when I in school, you know, it didn't bother the you know, the coach to whack me in the side of the head or anything like that. You sure. know? And, you know, I guess because I grew up like that, it didn't bother me. But I think that that culture is changing a bit where, where folks have to understand that. Listen, they're still good kids. They're all, they're all good. They're all good. Just need to understand them and, and, and you know, and, and treat them the, the right way. And trust me, they're good. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll tell you something that I'm doing with my with my platform because uh, I have a skill change job platform, and we're using video, like 30 second elevator pitches and 60 second videos of people demonstrating their skills. And the reason I'm doing that is that a lot of young people are, you know, using mobile phones. I always try and get people's opinion on this because you know we talk about social media. What's your take on people using video 
to, you know, to put themselves out there to attract employers. Like if you're an employer and you're seeing a video of somebody, is that an advantage or is that not really any different than a paper resume or? Yeah. You know, I actually watched, I watched one of yours. I did watch you. And then I watched another uh, a gal doing uh, a little uh, spiel. And listen, I think that's an incredible idea. I mean, we, we struggle with getting students to make those videos. They'll make a TikTok video when nobody's looking and they'll put it out there to the whole world. But for them to make a video and present it in class for some reason, they're not crazy about that. But for, for what you're doing, I think it might be a great thing to, you know, somewhere along the line, we got to break that HR barrier of uh, fill out a resume and send it into God knows where. If your platform takes off, which hopefully it does, folks are going to be able to open that video up, see see the person that wants the job, and actually understand them and learn who they are in a short little video where where they're not just a piece of paper that's buried on somebody's desk. And I think that's so important. You know, one of my girls, my entire family is in, in great, you know, all my kids are in some sort of blue collar world. A couple of them went to school, college, and, and the one who recently got out of college, she, she's she's like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a harder worker. Okay. She, she's been coaching, you know, with me since she's little. She's, I've had her running around like a lunatic her, her whole life. At school, they loved her. She, she worked with the coaches, you know, she, they kept her to do this. They asked her to do that. She worked with the AD's office, everything she did down there. And she, uh, Unfortunately, the pandemic comes when she's graduating. Okay, so she's in a bit of a fix, and those kind of jobs are not that available. And she, what does she do? She sends out resumes. Sends out resumes. I'm like, this has got to stop. I mean, you know, our kids too. It was put fill out a resume. I got them paperwork for PSE and G. Okay, we got the PSE and G resume. Let's fill it out. The first question on the test is on the resume is, are you? Did you graduate high school? No, he didn't graduate high school yet. <laughs> But is it, can't you put something on there that says, I'm graduating high school in two months? Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's too rigid. And maybe in your video, you know, that can happen. Yeah. I feel like I feel like people hire people. And there's, like I said, I, I know when I'm hiring somebody, I want to see them talk. I want to see how they carry themselves, even before I bring them in for an interview. And I've talked to enough business owners who are like, I just want to see how this person is going to be in front of our customers. And I can't tell that on paper, but I can sure I can sure tell that from a video. And to me, you know, a video, these videos are quick. Like it's just saying who you are and what you do. You're going to have to do that in an interview. That's why I don't see why people might be hesitant. I, I can understand why people are hesitant to do videos, but it's not a tough process to do a an elevator pitch because you are, you are, you will never get a job without being able to say who you are, what you do, and why you should be hired. No one will ever hire you if you just show up and say, hire me. It's right. not how this works. So I feel like giving them the opportunity, and they can do it over and over and over, and then put it on the platform. Now you can attract multiple employers. Now that person isn't. Because most companies, business owners, don't want to be surprised. They, they want to know that the person coming in it fits the standard of what they want and can do the work and will fit into the culture. And I think a video can really... You can't tell everything, but it could give you a lot more information than a paper resume. That's kind of how I see it. I think that's great. You know, my, I've always said higher desire. Yes. The heck with the other stuff. 
you're going to teach them that. You yes. hire the desire. And yes. I think in that video, you can see the desire. Yes. And you Definitely. can't see it on a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, this is something that when I saw you out there, I was like, wow, this is great stuff. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. So, you know, one thing that I really enjoy with with social media is that, you know, you and I, you're in Paramus, New Jersey. Uh, you know, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and, you know, social media, you know, I didn't grow up with social media. Neither did you. Uh, can you share how it's affected your career? And do you have a platform that you prefer? So, you know, my career, listen, my career is over. <laughs> okay. It's getting there. All right. I put in, listen, I ran lines for fax machines when they were new. I installed cell phones in executives' cars when they were new. Yep. We had beepers. I remember those. I had a, I had a dial telephone. I know that. I <laughs> and, uh, you know, as social media evolved, well, listen, for me, it doesn't really matter as far as, say, my business goes. It, what it's done for me in business is it keeps me in contact with folks in the business, which, you know, it's amazing that, that I can I can be talking to somebody in California, you know, right right here or via LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. And, and that helps connect me with what's going on in other parts of the country. As far as the school goes, it's done huge things for my connections with bringing people into school and 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 seeing what's going on out there and, and opening doors with, you know, more opportunities for the students. And, you know, it, it doesn't stop. And, you know, I seen like, you know, when, when we had a press to have, you know, oh, let's bring uh, diversity into the trades, you know, as far as, you know, women in the trades or what, I would never, I, I would have this much of a window to look through, you know, from my shop. But what I see out there on the internet, it's it's incredible. And it's really opened the doors to the shop, you know. And that's how we bring those folks in there to, you know, energize our students a little bit and say, wow, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. They can do it. I can do it. And I think it's helped quite a bit, actually. It's been pretty important. Pretty oh, definitely. Important definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, at the end of the day, I really think that the, I think it's just the reach that it gives you. And for me, I appreciate it more because I think that it makes it easier for me to connect with people because just, I, I did sales, you know, my background has been in, in sales. And I remember times when I used to have to look in the yellow pages and I remember I'd have to go knock on doors, you know, so I, I appreciate this more because it's just allowed me to be more efficient and reach more people, but it still hasn't taken away from me being old school of, hey, I want to meet this person. Hey, let me know about, you know, almost like shake somebody's hand, get to know them, build that relationship. I think it's just enhanced that because I still think you have to have those skill sets of, hey, let me get to know you. You know, I still think that, that those skill sets are important. I think social media just enhances it. It just increases your your reach and it helps you if you already have those skill sets. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me uh, ask you this final question. You know, we have a skills gap. It's getting worse. How do we, how do we close it? You know, if you were in a position to help, you know, bring more people on, what would be your solution? I think the key to closing the skills gap is 
breaking the HR barrier. You know, everything goes through an HR office, and I don't want to beat up the HR folks. I, I don't know who gets involved with that kind of work, and I'm sure they're, they're, you know, they're folks that want to get out there and do their job. But for some reason, you know, the people that want to see the people, and you, you, you've heard from the people that want to see the people that want to come to work for them, they don't even get to see the people. We need smaller connections, one-on-one connections, somehow, some way, mentorship programs, anything that will land the person that wants to go to work with the person that wants to hire people. And somewhere along the line, if that doesn't happen, I don't think the skills gap is ever going to happen. We had Suez Water. We had a career fair in our shop. I don't want to hold you up. I just want to give you this no, story. No, no, Suez Water is a huge utility in our in our area. Huge. So we have a career fair. Okay, woohoo! We're having a career fair. Everybody comes down to the gym. They set up tables, and the kids go to talk to them, and they give them some spiel, and they hand them out a piece of paper and a pen. I was busy in the shop, and it was almost over. I ran up there because they were going to leave. I grabbed the guy at Suez. And I said, how many kids did you hire today? And he says, oh, you know, we just handed out the stuff. We talked to the kid. I dragged him down to my shop. And I said, listen, a career fair is not anything if you're not here to hire kids. I said, come down to my shop. I'm going to show you what we do here. We're going to talk about it. And I want somebody to come here and meet, actually meet, meet all the kids and find out who wants to go to work. We put a kid in their internship that summer. But it never would have happened if we didn't drag him down there. Yes. So there's a disconnect. I agree. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. I think HR people just, they don't understand it. It's almost like they're a roadblock, <laughs> you know, and they're like a gatekeeper, you know? So we're not, yeah. we're not connecting the people who have to be connected. So I understand it. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what we got to do somewhere along the line. You've got a great idea. Now, how do we make it bigger and better? I don't know. Oh, that's what I'm working on. <laughs> that's what I'm working on, Tim. Well, Tim, thank you. thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I wish you continued success with your students and with your business. Hey, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you know, this is great stuff. And I know that you're going to find a way to connect people with people. Yes, thank you. And that's... we're going to go paperless society, all right? Yeah, that's the game plan. <laughs> that's beautiful. Great meeting you, man. Nice meeting you too, Tim. If you're in New Jersey, I want you to come to the shop. Will do, definitely. Excellent. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.